Hey, this is Quentin Moore, and I'm the pastor of the Father's House, and this is our podcast. Thanks for joining us today. I hope the message inspires you, gives you faith, and lets you see that God is truly moving in your life. We hope you enjoy today's message. I want to talk to you about freedom. It's easy, right, to, to celebrate um, today. It's easy to eat a hot dog or a hamburger or bratwurst or whatever it may be. It's easy to uh, shoot some fireworks off. It's fun. The kids love it. I love it. Who doesn't like to blow stuff up? I can't think. Like, I got a group of boys at my house this evening um, that are going to blow toads up. Like, it's a thing. <laughs> Sherry just cringed a little. No, it's fun. They'll reproduce and make more. It'll be all right. But sometimes I feel like we forget why we're celebrating today. Sometimes I also forget, I think we forget that we have a freedom in Christ. Um, the, the Bible continues to talk about how he has set us free. Not a going to set us free, but a set us free now. We're going to talk a little bit about that this morning. I don't have a very long message. Um, some of you are saying, thank God. Others of you are saying, I, I appreciate very much um, that you're in church this morning. Um, and we'll get you out on a, on a timely manner. But I want to talk to you this morning about the freedom we have in Christ. So if you have your Bibles, uh, turn to John 8, 31 through 36. John 8, 31 through 36. It says, Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are the offspring of Abraham, and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Which I find interesting, because they are the offspring of Abraham, and though they may not have been enslaved, at some point in time they, their people were enslaved. And I find it ironic that sometimes we forget where the blood found us. Sometimes we forget where Jesus met us on the road, right? Some of us had a Damascus, Damascus Road experience. Some of us had, and I find these individuals who are, are almost kind of arrogant. I've never been enslaved. No, you haven't, but Jesus still found you. Where has Jesus found you? Have you forgotten that moment? That is where your freedom began. Verse 34 says, Jesus answered uh, them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The, sla the, the slave does not remain in the house forever. The, sl or the son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. That is a freedom that no one can take away from you. That is a freedom that is set forever in your life. There are a bunch of people, my Facebook continues to bring them up, that would like to keep you capsulated. They'd like to say, here, here's the carrot. And if you get the carrot, you can have the freedom. God says, I'm not interested in any of that. I love you. You're actually made in my likeness and made in my image. I want to be in relationship with you. So here, you step into relationship with me, I will give you that free and light life. I will give you the freedom. Not the freedom of this world, but the freedom in me. And that freedom is way better than anything you can find in this world. That is the freedom that nobody can take away. 
We are set free. If you believe in Jesus Christ, if you have confessed him as your Lord and Savior, that freedom is yours. This morning I want to talk about a freedom that is unshakable. A freedom that is unshakable. A a, a freedom that is unmoved by your brokenness. You're moved by your brokenness. Sometimes you're so broken you can't see up from down. God says, I'm not interested in that. I want to talk to you about a freedom that pursues you. A freedom that pursues you. A freedom that tracks you down in your darkest moments. Not to say ha ha ha, but to pull you out of it. That is the freedom that we find in Jesus Christ. That is the freedom that we get when he died on the cross for us. Ephesians 4, starting in verse 7, it says, But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who ascended far above all of the heavens that he might fill all things. The grace we talk about this morning, the freedom that I am on fire for this morning is from a God that has left no stone unturned. It is not for specific people. It is for everybody. 1 Corinthians 2, 6 through 10 says, yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom, although it is not the wisdom of the age of the rulers of of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages of our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. The hidden wisdom of God ordained for the ages of our glory. Some of the things God in your life, God did not hide from you. God hid them for you. See, God has been playing a, a game of hide-and-seek for a number of generations. You may be asking what I'm talking about. The Bible says to seek his face, Psalms 27, right? It says, seek my face. But we also see Moses asking to see his glory. And what did God say to Moses? God said, no, 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 I, I, you can't see me. I'm going to turn my back to you. I'm going to cover my eyes, and I'll pass by you. But you can't see me because... If you see me, you will die. And so you're sitting there thinking, well, what am I supposed to do? You said to seek my face. But God, if I seek your face, then I will die. And he says, yeah, that's the point. Because no flesh can glory in my presence. We don't like this. Because we have control over our flesh. But the fact of the matter is, is to see God is to see spirit to spirit. That we have to die to our flesh. The the, the freedom that we have 
cannot be seen in this flesh. That doesn't mean that you will never be able to see it. What it means is that we have to die to self. It's what the scripture says, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that if you are in Christ, you are a new creation. To me, and, and, and if you read any of the commentary, it means that you have a new life. You see things differently. You feel things differently. You have the ability to express love and grace and truth differently. The reality of it is, is I'm not saying the only time freedom shows up is when you die to yourself. The, the reality of it is, is that freedom has always been with you. But we have allowed the walls and the chains of this world to put scales over our eyes in such a way that we have forgotten that the freedom was actually with us before we were in our mother's womb. That freedom was with us when he set us apart. That freedom that I speak of is, is, the, is the freedom of Ephesians 1, 1 through 14, that you are redeemed, that you are bought back, that you do have an inheritance, and that is sealed by the Holy Spirit. Freedom. Relentless Freedom. There's a, a song we used to sing, um, and we didn't sing it very much in, in the sanctuary because it, it kind of, you kind of tell us sometimes whether you like a song or whether you don't like a song, you know what I mean? If you don't, you can come stand up here sometime and I'll show you. There's a song called You Won't Relent. And we sing it a lot in like worship circles and worship gatherings and whatnot, but it's just the worship team but that is the God that I serve, a God that won't relent, a God that won't give up on me, a God that doesn't want to give up on me, a God that wants to show me a free and light life. <coughs> the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy, but I, Jesus Christ, have come to give you life and life to the fullest. The tough thing about freedom is that when you speak of it, you also have to speak about bondage. Bondage is tough to talk about because no one really likes to have that conversation. We don't like to have that conversation for a host of different reasons. There's many different forms of bondage. There's actual incarceration, right? There's prison. Our prison all over. People have committed crimes. There are some people in there that actually haven't committed crimes. There are people who have gone against the law in such a way that they're in there for a very long time. Prisons, real prisons. If you rape someone, you need to go to prison. If you murder someone, you need to find yourself in prison. If you are a pedophile, you need to find yourself in prison. But there's also different types of prisons. There's also prisons that many of us find ourselves in that is a prison that has no bars. It is a prison that has no bars. It is a prison of our own making. Bad decisions that have locked us up for years. The should'ves, the would'ves, the could'ves. There's no greater prison than the prison of almost. 
There's no greater prison than the prison of almost smelling the scent of your deliverance but can't quite grab it. Almost as a hurting thing. Because you see you're at the edge of what you used to be and you see where you're called to be but you don't know how to get there. You don't know how to make that journey. And it is the freedom in Jesus Christ. When he says you have been set free that allows us to go from one life to another. There's a couple of different different areas of bondage. There's the relational bondage. You ever met those people that wanted something from you? They only wanted they only wanted to be around you when they wanted something from you. It's like someone that's got a, a is a, is a funny person and they want you to, like you get in their presence like hey you know, turn the comedic relief on. Like, no, 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 I'm, I'm not interested in that. Or like, if you have uh, music ability, hey, uh, you know, you want to sing for me? Like, no, you, you got to understand, my, my singing's for, for the glory of God. It, it's not for you. I'm not something, a toy you wind up and just turn on. You have these relationships that you find yourself in, in, in bondage to. I won't let you out and you can't, for whatever reason, feel like you can offend them. You also have relational bondages like um, siblings. Yeah, any of your siblings like, oh my God. There's always that one sibling that is just like that power hungry sibling, right? They, they has to be their way. This is Hampton in our house. Hampton has to be right all of the time. And he doesn't get it from me. Amen. <laughs> Hampton, Hampton is a rule follower, which is great because he will keep everybody in line, but it's real bad when he says, you're not following the rules, mom or dad, <laughs> right? He wants to make sure that everyone is listening. He knows everything about everything. We were in a pool the other day, and the pool, the side of the, the edge of the pool said it was 4-6, and he was debating about whether or not the pool was 4-6. Like, what are you doing, man? It says it's 4-6. I'm not 4 And I still actually don't know if he was saying he's taller than what they actually thought it was, or he was shorter. I don't know, but I was so annoyed. It was a bad deal. <laughs> or the, the, what about the spouses? Don't look left or right. It's 4th of July. You want to enjoy the rest of the day. But that spouse that is just control hungry, you got to do it my way. Yeah. Relational bondage. It's a thing. What about us being imprisoned to image? There's a, a verse, 2 Corinthians um, 3.17, it says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. It's, it's why, like, I don't take lightly. And I hope that if you do take lightly, you, you change your posture in coming into church on, on Sunday mornings. I don't take lightly that we're standing in the presence of God. 
I don't think that to be odd. I don't think that to be woo-woo. I think that because he says he is with me, right? The word says that he is with me. So when we stand together, when we come together and praise his name, when we come together and hear the word, when we come together and, 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 and have Eucharist, the spirit of God is here, which means there is freedom in this room. So if you walked in with some stuff, this is a great place to let that stuff go. That is not for the pastor to feel good about someone coming down to the altar. That is for your freedom. That is for you to say, I need to accept this and let this go. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, which means the church should be the safest place to be honest. The church as a whole, should be the safest place to be honest. But the reality of it is, is that most churches are nothing but Halloween. We have more masks in churches than Dr. Fauci was looking for at the beginning of the pandemic. It is trick or treat. We trick people into thinking that we're free and we treat them like crap afterwards. This is a tough pill to swallow. As a pastor, I have have a large part in that. And I'm not talking about the Father's house necessarily. I'm talking about the church as a whole. We are to be a place where people are safe, where people feel the presence of God. I talked about it earlier. We are big on atmosphere here. Everything we do on a Wednesday night, everything, my attempt is for these kids to feel safe. Why? Because they are going through some stuff, they are hurting. And as a parent, you may not know it, but if I can create a spot where they could experience the unconditional love, maybe even in a game of one, God is winning. If we create a spot where you can step in and experience the unconditional love of God, maybe just for a minute, you'd walk out of here different. You'd walk out of here changed. And I say that not to get, not, it has nothing to do with me, guys. This isn't to grow and see how big of a church we can get. This isn't for me to see if I can get as many amens or a, yeah, that's right, or whatever it may be. This is what I believe. If you just get a glimpse of what he has for you, it'll change your life forever. And you'll be wanting more. And you'll go out there and you'll figure out, like, what, I'm, 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 I've backed into what I was struggling with. This is why the carrot of freedom is not an actual thing. Because God knows this is not a short game. This is a journey. This is the rest of your life. I gave my life to the Lord when I was 12. FYI, I've done some stuff between 12 and 36. And he never left. He has never, he has never said, ah, this season of your life, I'm not with you. No, that's not how God works. God says, I am with you, um, what's, uh, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I am walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Maybe that shadow of death was self-inflicted. I don't know, but I'm not camped out in the valley of the shadow of death. I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, which means there's an end to the valley of the shadow of death, and he is with me the entire journey. This is the freedom that I have the ability to look at a cancer diagnosis and say, even in my death, I still win. No one likes to talk about that. I'll be honest, I didn't like it either. 
It was really hard for me to pray at one point in time, thy will be done, because I didn't know what that will was. I still don't, but at the end of the day, there is a freedom that I have the ability to talk about it openly. There is a freedom that I have the ability to say, you know what, even in the midst of that, there were some times where I could have paid a little more attention to him and what he had instead of my feelings and, oh, I had cancer. There is freedom even in the midst of a diagnosis. There is freedom even in the midst of a divorce. There is freedom even in the midst of financial crisis. There is freedom wherever you're at. I just want to be a place where when we say the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom, that you feel free. We can be in bondage to social media, right? We are in bondage to an appearance. You know, selfie is the it's a big deal. You take that selfie, realizing that you probably took it 14 times to make sure you got the, the right picture. You can put a couple filters on there. And say, look at me, I just woke up when all of us realize, no, you didn't. <laughs> I love you, I appreciate you, but you didn't wake up that way. Or, you know, I may step on some toes, and uh, I apologize to an extent, but have you guys seen that Voila app um, where it makes you turn into like a, a character? It makes you look like a... Uh, a Disney character or whatever. Yeah, those, those are unhealthy, guys. And you may say, well, no, 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 I, I just did it because, um, you know, it's fun. It's kind of cool. It's kind of cool. Yeah, but can I tell you that like eight out of 10 girls struggle with their image? Eight out of 10 girls that I deal with on a weekly basis are struggling with trying to look a certain way, trying to have a certain appearance, trying to make sure that their body looks a certain way. And guys aren't any different. They just go about it differently. So they go to the gym or they shoot themselves up with steroids or whatever it may be so they can look a certain way. I think you guys... One of the things as I was writing this sermon that spoke to me, because I, I at times am, am, am not good at this either, but I think we need to be reminded on a regular basis that the enemy feeds off of our declared insecurities. I didn't say they were actual insecurities. I said that you declared them as an insecurity. The enemy doesn't have the ability to discern certain situations. Why? Because discernment comes from the Holy Spirit. Discernment is a gift from God. Therefore, the enemy doesn't have that gift. The enemy doesn't have the ability to discern where you're lacking and where you're not lacking. So he works off of your confession. He works off of the things that come out of your mouth. I can sit here and preach to you all day long that Jesus thinks of you as a masterpiece, that Jesus looks at you as perfection, that you are made in his likeness and in his image. And so when you say you're not good enough, you're saying God's not good enough, FYI. I can talk to you all day long about freedom. And how you step into a relationship and you have been given this freedom. You have been given this free and light life. But if you do not change the confession of your mouth, you'll never see it. Why? Because you are blinded by what you think is wrong. He's waiting on you 
to tell him where to attack. So when you say, I don't like how I look, listen, well, yeah. He says, ah, they forgot they were made in the likeness and the image of God. I'm going to stir that pot a little bit. I'm going to get down there. I'm going to put some questions in your mind. I'm going to get down there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn and twist your words just a little bit so that we're left trying to fix this and fix that, trying to do this and, and do that. But the fact of the matter is, is we can't fix what wasn't broken. And we're not broken. We may have gone through some stuff that has hurt. But deep down in who it is that we are and how we were created, we're not broken. We are his masterpiece. We allow the enemy to look way smarter than what he really is. We have to combat the lies we tell ourselves with the truth, the word. This, this, I don't know how many of you guys have this. I'll be 100% honest, this is just for me. I can't do this. And I can't because there's other apps on here that I'd, I'd, I'd go to first. Just in all honesty. So at some point in time, I have to throw the distraction away. I have to get my face. You want to know how God speaks to you? Read his word. You want to know how God works in your life? Read his word. This has been an afterthought for too long. And to be honest with you, in my generation, there's a bunch of young people. I'm still young, fairly. At what point in time do you stop calling yourself young? I'm good. Thanks, Ken. Squirrel. You're going to read this and you're not going to understand it. So what do you do? You read it again. You're going to have thoughts in here and you're going to read something that you don't like. What do you do? You read it again. Why? God will open your eyes. I'll never forget. I will never, ever forget when 2 Corinthians 5.17 came to life for me. I was sitting in a tree stand. This is exactly how it's supposed to, right? It's a fantastic moment. I was at a place called Newsom's. It's in Edwards County. You kind of know where that's at. And I have read that. If you are in Christ, you are a new creation. The old's gone and new is here. I've read that. That's not a hard scripture to read. But when you look at yourself as trash, it's pretty hard to accept. And there was a season in my life where I looked at myself as pretty trashy. And you're sitting in a deer stand and the sun's coming up and you look over the sand hills and you don't even need to see a deer because that's, oh, that's God. Now that's how he works in my life. I'm not saying he works in you. However, we could have, if you want to hunt, I'll teach you how to hunt. How does he work in your life? There is freedom in this book. There is freedom in this room. And he's talking to you right now about the things that you need to let go of, the things you need to go free of. What's he saying? The enemy will hold you hostage to your own confession. The things that come out of your mouth are important, guys. We hold ourselves back at times from the freedom that I'm talking about 
because we won't listen to what God actually thinks of us. And we have put labels, we have put thoughts and ideas of our own selves. I've talked about relationships. Sometimes the worst relationship we have is the one we have with ourselves. Did you know seven out of 10 kids cut? Cut. You know what I'm talking about? Cut. Because I don't feel... It's not... This isn't superficial. You can play, Kelly. This isn't a superficial thing. This is kids struggling. Struggling to get something out. That if they just for a moment understood how God viewed them. So that they would be able to deal with the bullying that they have to go through whether that be at school or on social media. What you say, Henley, um, the red shirt kid that I said was about to lose his life. Henley, Henley's that kid that speaks my love language. He can tear you, no, nope, nope, he'll get to tearing you. He can lift you up with his words. And he can tear you down with his words. But he can also tear himself down. I mean, he's six. You're like, oh, if I need you to understand. You're not a bad kid. I need you to understand that you are loved. He knows he's loved by, by mom and dad. But I'm just to be honest with you. I failed a lot in the six years of Henley's life. There's a God that never fails. There's a God that never fails you. There is a God that has never failed you. You may feel like it, but he hasn't. I'm raising boys in a culture that it matters what they say. I'm raising white boys in a culture that will look, they will look at every single thing he says. They will take a magnifying glass over what he says to make sure that he wasn't out of line, to make sure that he didn't look the wrong way. Don't hear me say what I'm not saying, though. I'm not saying certain things like Me Too shouldn't have happened. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that misogyny shouldn't be exposed. I'm not saying that. It should. I'm not saying that my white boys don't have privilege. They do. You may not like that. I'm sorry. But I'm also raising a boys in a culture that there are groups of people that want to put him on a pedestal and there are groups of people that are doing everything they can to knock that pedestal down. And if they do not know what it means to have a healthy, good confession, if they do not know who Jesus is in their lives, if they do not know the way, the truth, and the life, if they do not know how to respond, they'll get themselves in trouble. It is my job, it is our job to teach them how to speak. It is our job to teach them how to speak. A couple years ago, a little story to lighten the mood on that one. A couple years ago, um, a child, uh, teacher in the back, child worker, came to me with my son after church and he said, hey, um, 
I don't really know how to tell you this, but I want you to know your kid said a cuss word in church. And I said, oh man, I'm so sorry to disrespect you like that. She said, no, no, they didn't say it to me. They just said it and I just wanted you, thought you should know. I'm like, man, I'll do the, this, the thing that every good parent does. I don't, that, that language doesn't happen in our house. So I'm not quite sure where he picked it up, but I'll get to the bottom of it. And you walk away, right? I walked away and I was like, wait a second. I said, hey, hold on a second. I got a question for you. And she said, yeah. I said, if you don't mind me asking, what word did they say? They told me, and in my mind, I was screaming yes. I said, ah, thanks, because that word comes from their mother's mouth and not dad's mouth. Go to Heather after everybody leaves and said, babe, we gotta have a conversation because we got teachers. And I don't say that word and you say that word, so I don't. What's your confession like today? What are the things that are rolling around in your head that might as well come out of your mouth that you know don't line up with the word of God? This moment in here, whether it be where you're at or whether it be down front, is a great place to lay him down at your feet, at his feet. And walk away. More than likely, you're going to think about it again. But you have the ability to remember, nope, I put that down. In about 30 minutes, you're going to do it again. You're going to think about that. And the reminder is, nope, I put that down. And for three or four or five or six weeks, you'll have to do that every 30 minutes. Maybe every 10 minutes. I don't know. But the juice is worth the squeeze. When I say you go back to the moment that you laid it down. You go back to the moment that you laid it down. And then in a couple of months, a couple of years, who knows? You'll realize one day that that isn't even a part of your thought process anymore. Guys, this freedom that we have, this freedom that has been given to us is not a short game freedom. This is a freedom that God is giving to us every single day that unfortunately we only pick up on certain days. Our goal is to make sure that those certain days are more than not. Galatians 5.1 says it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Why? To open our eyes to what He has. To see this world that He created in the ways that He does. There's a song called um, by a, a band called Maverick City. If you've not um, if you've not found them yet, you should, because they're really, really, really good. And they have a song called Refiner that it would 
take a sermon to talk about that song before we played it. Because refining process doesn't always bring a positive thought to your mind. The refining process um, can be painful. But it talks about being purified. It talks about handing my life over to Him. It talks about laying things down. There's a, as I was listening to it actually just this morning, there's a, um, a video uh, with the skit guys. I don't know if you guys ever remember those videos that um, he was allowing God, it's called the chisel. He was allowing God to work on him and God would go to chisel an area. And he said, no, 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 not, not that spot. That spot is sensitive. And he'd go to another spot on his on the guy's body and he'd, he'd go to chisel. And he said, no, 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 not, not that spot. I may need that later. And God asks him, where is it that you would like me to chisel? Well, you know, maybe, and he's kind of comedic relief, giving him abs and, and a chest. Kind of talked about that already. The reality of it is, is that we have to allow God into our lives in such a way that he refines us, that he chisels away what he needs to chisel away and not what we want. It's going to probably be uncomfortable at times and it's going to probably give you question. But there is freedom in the question and there is freedom in the refining. Stand with me. Hey, I hope the message truly inspired you today. If it did, do a couple things for me. Subscribe to our show and it'll just drop right into your feed and you can stay current with all that we're doing. The second thing is, is if you've been impacted by this ministry, you can click the link right there in front of you and you can become one of our givers and that'll help us to keep spreading the gospel and the good news around the world. Everyone needs to hear the good news right now, maybe more than any other time. So God bless and I'll see you next time.